Welcome to The Notice, where together we notice the mercy of God. I'm Susan Hookstra, your host. The Notice podcast explores our need for validation and affirmation through biblical musings and unique stories from special guests. Experience relevant topics and encouragement as we take notice of how the God of mercy satisfies. With the new year and new decade, you've probably set some goals. So how are you doing so far? Do you find yourself distracted? Discouraged? Just what does it mean to be disciplined anyway? If that's you, join me for today's episode. We talk about goals, distractions, discouragements, and just what it means to take notice of God and self-discipline. Happy New Year to all of you, and Happy New Decade. I hope all of you had a wonderful holiday filled with surprise. Believe it or not, I actually had two weeks off work. Two weeks seems like a long time, so of course, I made a list of all the things I wanted to accomplish. First, I planned to spend time with family and friends and get caught up on sleep. Second, I planned to paint our master bedroom and tackle a few other home projects. Thirdly, and most importantly, I hope to spend a significant amount of time writing and editing the book I've been working on. Well, as things go, I did spend time with friends and family. I loved relaxing, catching up, laughing, and, well, eating with everyone. I think I actually made lasagna maybe three or four times. I did catch up on my sleep, but guess what? I didn't get to the painting or other home projects. And although I enjoyed spending time with family and friends, I didn't make as much progress on the book as I had hoped. I guess I got distracted. So you might ask, a book? For listeners out there who may not know, God put on my heart many years ago to write a book about two of our deepest needs, validation and affirmation. I define validation as acknowledgement of another person's perspective or experience, and affirmation as the approval of that perspective or experience. Throughout my lifetime, God has shown me how much we all have these needs, and some of us need it more than others. Typically, the need is satisfied through community, whether it's our family, friends, church family, or peers. Unfortunately, some of us didn't have anyone in our lives who gave us acknowledgement or approval, so we kind of live with a deficit. This deficit makes us feel unheard, unseen, and unnoticed. The book will discuss the needs, how we unsuccessfully try to get the needs met, and how God ultimately satisfies. Friends, I firmly believe the message of the book is relevant and valuable. But the book isn't done yet. Frankly, it won't be relevant or valuable until it's in the hands of readers. Years ago, I completed the first draft, only to lose the pen drive it was on. Yes, I know I should have backed it up, but I had to start over. Then I ventured into the publishing world by attending a writer's conference. Although there were many positive outcomes from the conference, 
it did help me understand that I had a lot more to learn. So I researched more and got a few articles and devotions published. Then I began rewriting and reorganizing. Right now, I'm in the editing phase. But with all my other obligations, this book has actually taken me over 10 years to complete. Although I feel like I'm close, I still wonder if maybe God has something else he wants in the book that I'm missing. Yet, I'm determined. This is the year. In 2020, I will complete this project, get the book published, and see it in everyone's hands. Sounds like a wonderful goal, doesn't it? Well, for anyone tackling a big project, we know there are many ups and downs and good intentions. We all start a project intending to follow through. Yet, life interrupts our progress. But let's be honest, most often we get distracted and discouraged. We even get discouraged about being distracted. What happens then? I don't know about you, but I inevitably kick myself for not being more disciplined. What does discipline really mean? I'm not sure what God has laid on your heart to accomplish this year. Maybe it's not a big project like a book, but I'm sure you have set goals for yourself and you desire to have them come to fruition. Perhaps you want to commit to reading the Bible through the year, attend life group regularly, or take that dream vacation. Maybe you want to exercise more or get enough sleep. Whatever is on your heart, how are you doing so far? Have you found yourself distracted? Do you feel discouraged? Friends, if God is ever present with us, why is it so hard for us to be consistent? On my computer at work, I have posted a little note to remind me about inconsistency. It reads, Discipline says, I need to. Duty says, I ought to. Devotion says, I want to. As you've set your goals for 2020, what motivates you? How do you stay consistent? Are you doing something because you need to, ought to? or want to. In our current culture, our lives are on demand. We watch TV shows when we feel like it. We watch the game again after it's over. We watch church service online when we don't feel like going. We go to life group or Bible study when we feel like it. Do we have to feel like it to do it? What if we don't do something we need to or ought to? How much do we really rely on our feelings to keep us motivated? As a professional clarinet player, reaching a high level of musicianship means I have to practice. So I guess this takes discipline. But sometimes, honestly, I just didn't feel like it. Over time, I learned that discipline meant doing something even if I didn't feel like it. I discovered this best when I forced myself to practice. I admit it, I, I practiced out of duty and because I needed to. The ironic thing was that after about 10 to 15 minutes, I found myself engaged. I was into it. Yes, I practiced because I needed to, and yes, because I ought to. But soon, I realized I did it because I wanted to. I wanted to excel, and that's what it took. But it all started out by doing it when I didn't feel like it. So I'm thinking, perhaps one does help the other. 
friends, I hope you're not kicking yourself right now. I understand it's tough to do something when we don't feel like it. We often condemn ourselves for being undisciplined, but honestly, it's a real challenge to be consistent. I really do think it's part of our humanity. So instead of beating ourselves up for being inconsistent, I wonder if we begin to look at our plans differently. Maybe it's not just about checking off a to-do list or performing a duty. Maybe it's about a mindset. I know I had to ask myself, what's most important to me? What needs to be in my life? What ought to be in my life? What do I want to make room for in my life? Maybe some of you have seen a trend on social media encouraging us to pick a word for the year, you know, kind of like a theme. Maybe it will be focused, relevant, or even disciplined. What a great idea. What an excellent way of anchoring our minds. In my case, instead of a word each year, I actually pick a song. The song typically describes what God is teaching me in my life. When I start to get discouraged, I play this song and it inevitably reminds me of my priorities. The song I picked for 2020 is Make Room by Jonathan McReynolds. This song talks about moving things over to make room for Jesus. It encourages us to find space for what we treasure. Although I can't play the song on the podcast, I encourage you to give it a listen. Every time I hear it, I'm challenged to make different choices. So what are you making room for in 2020? Take notice. Whatever you decide to move over, be sure to make room for God's presence in your life. Staying connected to him is crucial, but it's also liberating. You might get distracted. Sometimes we go about the busyness of our day and simply forget to notice God's presence in our lives. Take heart, friends. You're not alone. I can certainly go through a whole day and forget about making room for him. Isn't it interesting to note that when Jesus was born, there was no room for him in the inn? And let me tell you a story about Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph. They got distracted too. Wait until you hear what happened to them. The episode is described in Luke chapter 2, 41-52. To summarize it, Jesus was 12 years old and accompanied Mary, Joseph, and a large group of their relatives and friends to Jerusalem. They were on pilgrimage, according to the custom, that is, Passover. After the festivities, on the day they were going to return, Jesus was lingering in the temple. At the same time, Mary and Joseph headed back home, thinking he was among their group. It wasn't until a whole day later they realized Jesus was missing. After three days looking for him, they found him in the temple, sitting with teachers, asking them questions. When we reflect on this story, we typically center on what Jesus was doing in the temple with the elders. Yes, he made room to learn. Yes, he made room to be equipped. But what about Mary and Joseph? Where were they? They went on with their lives a whole day before realizing Jesus wasn't with them. Now, let's be fair. I'm sure we could all come up with our own judgments about their parenting skills. Yet one thing impresses me the most. Mary and Joseph obviously didn't take notice. Worse than that, they didn't miss his presence for an entire day. 
How many days go by when we don't even notice Jesus has been part of our life? I wonder how many times we think God's with us when we're really off just doing our own thing. But that's not the only interesting part. It took Mary and Joseph three more days to find him. Three days. That means they didn't know where their son was for four days. I don't know about you, but by that time, I'd probably have called the National Guard. But I see an important message here. It's easier to lose the presence of God than it is to get it back once we've lost it. We lose his presence because we don't make room. Making room is significant. In the scriptures, making rooms for others was, was huge. In the Old Testament, making a room for someone was an honor. You were honoring your guest. Upper rooms were even more significant. Upper rooms were a place of healing. The Last Supper took place in the upper room. Pentecost happened in an upper room. What could happen if you made room for God? I'm thinking there are four things that could happen. The first one would be joy. Joy comes from being in God's presence. And deep joy comes from true healing. Psalm 1611 reminds us, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And then there's a story in 2 Kings 4. The Shunammite woman made a rupper room for Elisha, the prophet. When he visited, he stayed in this room. Elisha was so grateful, he asked the woman what he could do for her. Since her husband was old, she asked for a child. Elisha said it would happen, and she bore a son. Years passed, though, and the son died. When he died, the woman ran to Elisha for his help. He came to the upper room where her son was lying and breathed life back to him. In the upper room, deep healing happened. Secondly, changed lives happen when we make room. We learn to understand and accept mercy, which changes our perspective. It changes our mindset. We can take on a kingdom personality when we make room. In Luke 19, Zacchaeus made room for Jesus to be in his home. And the presence of Jesus changed Zacchaeus' life. Thirdly, we're going to experience miracles. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus was so popular, many tried to get his attention. A few men wanted Jesus to take notice of a paralyzed man, but they weren't able to get to him because of the crowd. So they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowering the mat the mat was lying down on. Jesus took notice of their faith and forgave the man his sins which was a miracle in itself. He later healed the man from his paralysis. When we make room for Jesus, we begin to see all the miracles he is doing for us on a minute-by-minute basis. And lastly, we notice God more. In Luke 24, on the road to Emmaus, two men walked alongside of Jesus, not recognizing him. As they continued in conversation with him, Jesus was set to move on, but they urged him to stay with them for the night. They made room. Jesus broke bread with them and gave it to them. 
Their eyes were then opened and they recognized him. How will your eyes be opened? Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, the entire day receives order and discipline when it acquires unity. This unity must be sought and found in morning prayer. The morning prayer determines the day. What does it look like to move things over? When you think of your priorities, we dwell on the fact that we're going to have to say no to someone or something. Not necessarily. When we experience the presence of God, we will want to spend more time with him. As we say yes to him, he influences all we do. And it's kind of organic. We will make room for him and the things that matter to him. He will gently let us know. We just have to keep trusting. It has to start somewhere. So I encourage you to choose to do it, even if you don't feel like it. It's okay to start by doing it because you ought to or need to. As you prepare to make room for him, you're going to want to spend more time with him. Not only will you want to honor him as your guest, but you will also enjoy just having him around wherever he is. So as you live out your goals for the new year, may you not be like the innkeeper and say, there is no room. What ways has this podcast helped you make room? I'd love to hear about it. Please email me at susan at susankhookster.com and share your stories. I'd love to share them on the podcast. Also, be sure to let others know about the podcast and post a review on iTunes. As always, I appreciate your support. Next time on The Notice. Have you ever wished you could have a spiritual mentor to come alongside you and encourage your faith? Join us next time when I talk with Lisa Lemke of the Northwest Michigan Jesus Ministry. We discuss how important it can be to your spiritual growth to have someone you meet with regularly one-on-one and how God takes notice of us by providing that person and how we can be that person for others. In the meantime, take notice.